0: What part of the fish does the
1: stick come from, precisely? (laughs) the best part. First of all, Dan, that sounds a little dirty to me. Welcome to Hello
0: PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. Today on the show, we tell you what baby carrots, prime numbers, and planet X all have in common. Stay with us.
1: And we're back. This is Hello PhD episode 30. I'm Joshua Hall. And I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Hey there, Daniel. Yo, Josh. What's happening? Not much, Dan. We survived the snow.
0: Yeah, I I ate so much mushy bread. It's just <laughs> finally gone.
1: Snowzilla, they're calling it.
0: Nobody Did they call it that?
1: Y- yeah, the Washington Post pulled their audience, pulled their readership, and... The official term for this snow event was Snowzilla. Hashtag Snowzilla.
0: See that just doesn't that doesn't work for me. It isn't Godzilla like a warm weather kind of lizard.
1: I don't know. There was a great image they posted that had Godzilla breathing the Doppler radar shape from the Atlantic Ocean across the mid Atlantic.
0: Um yeah. I think that is probably scientifically inaccurate, just Just FYI for everybody out there, weather is not caused by dragons.
1: I guess the runner-up was Snow v. Wade. Oh, my gosh. Maybe Maybe the next one. That was my personal favorite. Wow. So, Dan, there are a few topics that we've been discussing that we'd love to talk about on a future show, but what would be really great is if we could get some listeners out there who maybe have some of these experiences that they'd be willing to share with us as we put these episodes together.
0: Yeah, that would be extremely helpful. And I know that um, a lot of people are probably shy about sharing their experiences. So here's what you do if you know your friend went through this, send us their name and we'll get in touch with them.
1: Yeah, certainly. We would love to interview you on the show if you're comfortable with that. Or if you want to just email us, we can use your story that way, whatever you want to do. But what we're looking for specifically are people who might have changed labs in the middle of graduate school. We want to hear how that process went for you. Also, We talked about kids a few weeks ago, but if you happen to have kids while you were in graduate school... First of all,
0: are you crazy? Second of all, (laughs) tell us about it.
1: Yeah, we've had some people ask, and we thought it would be really great, uh, rather than us conjecture about what that would be like, we thought it'd be cool to talk to some people who've been through that experience. I bet you they'll say it was crazy, but we'll find out. I think having kids is always crazy. I think so, too. And then the last one is, did you have a lab that moved in the middle of grad school. So a little different than um, you decided to change labs. Were you in a lab partway through your training or your postdoc? And the PI decided to take a job at another university and move. So if you have experience or know someone who's had experience with any of those situations, put them in touch with us. We would love to talk to them for a future show.
0: Or if those sound interesting, let us know and we will
1: try to fast track them and stay tuned. Yep, and if you have your own ideas for topics, we get tired of coming up with these every week, so help us out, people. We've been doing this show now for 30 weeks. I think it's a little more. Didn't we skip one week? We did skip a week, but this is our 30th episode. 30th episode, yeah. Yeah, and when we set out to do this... it feel so old. You know, one of the things we had to decide was how often do we put out an episode. Yeah, once it, every it, 10 years seemed <laughs> like the right
0: choice, uh, certainly, we, did, we we turned up the notch a couple times. That's true.
1: Certainly less effort... Um, But we decided, you know, we wanted this to be a consistent thing because we are listeners of podcasts and it's always the ones you connect with the most, I think, are the ones you, you know, you're excited on that Sunday night or Tuesday when that new episode drops.
0: I just sit by my (laughs) iTunes account and just wait for them to roll in.
1: Uh, But one of the things that we always worried about, at least initially, was with a weekly show, we would very quickly run out of topics, run out of things to talk about.
0: Yeah, that that was certainly a concern, and we made lists and tried to figure out: is there enough here? I think it turns out that we just talk so much that it's not a problem. There, there's way more to talk about than there are uh, shows to have.
1: Yeah, we have lots of things that are coming up. We've roughly drafted out, you know, the next two months, and that's not counting great listener questions that tend to come in. We always like to insert those when you guys write into us. So keep those coming. But one of the things that's happened over the last weeks and months is there are a lot of things that don't really constitute a full episode, but they're things that we really have wanted to talk about. So we're going to do something different today, Dan. Let's just, let's just do a grab bag.
0: Let's do it. We should probably get started with some ethanol, though, don't you think?
1: That's right. Before we dive into this rapid-fire pool of randomness, let's, let's talk about our beer. And actually, Dan, along the theme of randomness... I picked out this beer for tonight. This is the Dogfish Head Namaste from Milton, Delaware.
0: Our good friends at Dogfish Head. Now it says a white beer brewed with orange slices, lemongrass, coriander, and peppercorns, which is mm, fairly random. I mean, I I feel like that's in a curry somewhere.
1: Yeah, I saw all these all these flavors that were in this beer, and I thought, this seems like what our show's going to be like today. We're just going <laughs> to do one flavor after another, just like this beer.
0: Do you know what the, there's a skeleton on the label, and it looks like a a monkey's head, and it's got kind of a pig's tail, and a human rest of the skeleton. You think it's a monkey pig?
1: Well, there's some kind of sonar coming out of... That's the, Nama, that's the namaste. That's the namaste majesty that's emanating from, from the skeleton. I don't know, Dan, what do you think about this one?
0: I like it. It's, it's, um,
1: I think you, you described it as more Belgian y. Yeah. Full disclosure, I did taste this beer before we started recording. Yeah. It reminds me of a Belgian beer. It's got that flavor profile. I'm not sure if I had not seen the label, if I could have named all or any of those yeah, flavors. Yeah. I think if you
0: did the side by side with some other related beer, I'm not sure I'd pick out that this one has the lemongrass and coriander.
1: You know, Dan, we've brewed before and, have experimented with brewing with certain ingredients. And I really think if you want flavor, identifiable flavor from an ingredient, you have to add it after the fact. It's probably true. You think they didn't do that? I don't think so. It actually says on the bottle, brewed with those spices. Oh, you
0: ruined it, Dogfish Head. No, it's actually quite good.
1: Yeah, it's not, not a bad beer. So if you're somewhere that they have the Dogfish Head Namaste, check it out. And also shout out to our Delaware listeners. Yep.
0: I feel more at peace. Does that count?
1: That's worth something. Dan, so the first thing I want to talk about. I know you are a huge football fan. How did you find out? <laughs> sports ball. <laughs> yeah, did
0: you did you see my my jersey pennant? What are some <laughs> other sports words?
1: Basket hoop. Well, I bet even you know, Dan, what's coming up next Sunday. I sure do. The Math Olympiad. <laughs> <laughs> Before that,
0: I got nothing. The Super Bowl. yeah, Super Bowl. Sorry, yeah. The Super Bowl.
1: Do you know, Dan, who's playing the Super Bowl? Two sports teams. That is correct, technically. Team A and Team B. I sure hope Team A wins. (laughs) Well, one team, we'll call them Team A, is our very own Carolina Panthers. Is that right? Yeah, my favorite team. Homegrown heroes. In the Super Bowl. So I think that's pretty exciting. Are you going to come to my Super Bowl party? Um Do I have to? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have actually watched the Super Bowl together before. I would say
0: one of us watched it. The other one kind of sat in the kitchen and ate wings, but whatever.
1: Well, that's really what it's all about in the commercials. Uh, Sometimes, that's true. Well, on to the Super Bowl, Dan, I saw a story a couple days ago that I thought was super cool. Baltimore Ravens guard John Urschel. Have you heard of John? I didn't
0: know that the Super Bowl was coming up. No, I have not heard of John Urschel.
1: So let me tell you, this is cool. So I love to say that the PhD career path is very seldom a linear process. You do love to say that. So John Urschel, guard for the Baltimore Ravens, is going to spend this offseason getting his PhD in spectral graph theory, numerical linear algebra, and machine learning from MIT. That is unexpected. Yeah, isn't
0: that cool? I mean, I guess that's a bias that that these guys are, like,
1: not interested in math, but... Well, so apparently... John earned his bachelor's and master's degree in math while he played football at Penn State. And in his free time, he's going to start working on his PhD in math from MIT this offseason. I guess he will probably have some additional insight on how those X's and O's work. Oh my gosh, yeah,
0: I'm sure that's true. Now, well, I guess it's a transition from nerdy sports to just play nerdy. You have been back on your board game kick recently.
1: I have, Dan. I don't know if I've mentioned it here, uh, but in graduate school, one of my main hobbies that I loved was board games.
0: One of the first times that you and I hung out after we we started our program was to play some board game. I don't even remember which one.
1: Yeah, right after we started PhD, we started playing these board games, and I got into these kind of European-type board games. If anybody's played the Settlers of Catan, that's a good example of this type of game. But...
0: Pretty novice
1: compared to where you are right now. <laughs> I love I love some Catan. Maybe some of you guys sometimes of
0: Catan is like computer solitaire compared to <laughs> the types of games you play.
1: Well, so I played a lot of games and acquired a lot of games as a graduate student, and then kind of put it to rest. Haven't played many games until about the last. Five or six weeks, I've kind of rekindled my love of board gaming, Dan. And so I actually picked up a new game that I played with some friends a couple weeks ago that was super fun, and I thought our listeners might enjoy might enjoy playing this game. Is it something that, that PhDs may be good at? Well, at least a few PhDs were present in my group, and... Surprisingly, they were able to figure it out just as well as the non-PhDs okay, in the crowd. So they're at
0: least not handicapped.
1: Yeah, so let me tell you about how this game Codenames works. It's really cool. So you have two teams, and on each team, there's a spymaster. This sounds like my kind of game. Yes. And so the spy masters are looking out, as well as the other players, on a grid of 25 words. Okay, you've got words. You've got grids. I'm ready. <laughs> That's right. So this five by five grid of words and the spy masters can see a hidden key that shows that approximately half of the words are for their team and the other half of the words are for the other team. I'm still crossing my fingers for an etymology tie in, but we're not quite getting there. And The goal of the spy masters is to help their team identify which of the words belongs to their team.
0: Okay, so, so they want their team to pick up the words that belong to them, but their team doesn't know which one are their words specifically. Exactly.
1: Now, here's, here's the fun part.
0: 25 words, you've got to get me to pick a certain subset.
1: Yes, and the only guidance... Just is, read them out to me and I'll pick them up. <laughs> it's not a hard game. Well, the trick is the only guidance the spymaster can give his or her team is by saying one word clues. Okay. So, for example, Dan, let's say that three of my words are... Amazon, water
0: and bed. Okay, so you want me to pick up Amazon water and bed, but you got to give me a word that makes me get all of those at once.
1: Exactly and those are three fairly different words. but what if my clue was river? Okay, I could see it tie into an Amazon
0: river and water and a river bed Yeah, why not?
1: That's right. And so your goal is to be the first team to choose all of your words but not the other team's words and to add to the intrigue, there are some cards that are innocent bystanders, but then there's an assassin. So you want to stay away from that word. If you pick the assassin, your team automatically loses.
0: This was a humble little card game where everyone was having a good time, and now there are people being murdered.
1: Yeah, you got to watch out for the assassin. I like it. Yeah,
0: it was fun. It was fun. Okay, so I will play this game, but I have to be on your team. I hate playing games against <laughs> you because you always win.
1: Well, we had a great time, Dan. There were about 12 of us. Did you win? um my team i believe we we did i believe you did too yes Uh,
0: something you should know about josh if he invites you to board game day (laughs) just expect to lose i'm
1: competitive i can't help it don't put money on it it's not not a good bet but gamers and non-gamers alike we had a great time and i could have imagined us all playing this as grad students so if you're looking for something to do with your friends totally check this one out
0: and it's just out this year right it's kind of a brand new thing
1: yeah it just came out in 2015 it's 20 bucks on Amazon. I think it's well worth it. All right. Well, we'll put up the link. That sounds like a fun one. So something else I've been thinking about, Dan. <laughs> no uh, segue into this one. You have kids. A kid. I, I have a kid. Do you eat, do you eat baby carrots at your house? Uh, not often,
0: no. I don't think we get baby carrots. It's like the 50-pound bag of sh- shaved carrot
1: parts, right? Carrot nuggets. Carrot nuggets. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, have you ever stopped to think about what are baby carrots? I have. <laughs> well so I don't know why, but I keep seeing all of these articles in the last couple of weeks about baby carrots. I think deeply about baby carrots on a regular but No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> well I happened to read one and realized I didn't actually understand what baby carrots really were. So I read this article
0: about where baby carrots come from. And From mommy and daddy carrots, of course. Yeah. And and it said Most people don't realize that, here's the spoiler, baby carrots are just big carrots that have been put on a lathe and shaved down to baby carrot shape. And I thought to myself, nobody believes that this is a carrot that grows into a perfect little two-inch round, but it turns out somebody believes it.
1: (laughs) I'm not saying that's exactly how I thought it work.
0: It's not like you thought about like, oh, this carrot grows like this. You just didn't think about it. And they call it a baby carrot. And that's just the species, right? Well.
1: My wife and I have had numerous conversations slash arguments centered around baby carrots through the years, especially since we had children who tend to like baby carrots. And I have always indicated that I'm not a fan of baby carrots because I feel like, you know, when you bite into a baby carrot, there's this pop. Like there's a, the texture of a baby carrot to me always seemed different than the texture of a traditional carrot.
0: And she said, no, these are just the same thing. And you said, nope. Exactly. I said, Those. whatever
1: species of carrot, whatever yeah. variety of carrot the baby carrot is, you probably I do
0: put, not prefer. You probably got out your, your PhD diploma and held it up. <laughs> and you're like, I think the cellular structure of these baby carrots is markedly different.
1: Yeah, the cellulose content mm-hmm. is oh, more yeah. to my liking. More of a pop. So, when I would go to the store, I would purchase the bag of full-length carrots that you have to peel and chop. Probably cheaper. Yeah, probably so. And my wife would buy the baby carrots, and I did not. I would not eat the baby carrots because I didn't like them. Well, come to find out from this article, they are the same. One and the same, same carrot, carrot, everybody. And apparently, there was a carrot farmer from California in the 80s named Mike Urasek, who died about 10 years ago. He realized carrot cells were very much dwindling. That was one problem, and the other problem, which is actually still a big problem today, a carrot or other vegetable that did not look beautiful had a hard time selling at the market. Dump it. Yeah, get rid of that thing. So what he decided to do was pretty brilliant. He was like, well, what if we just take these big, ugly carrots that we can't sell, and we cut them into uniform shapes, put them in a bag, take them to the grocery store. Apparently, he did this, and he took it to his local grocery store, called the next day and said, what did you think of the carrots? And they were... (laughs) I guess they said, we only want these carrots from now on. Shave
0: all the carrots, please.
1: Yeah, and I guess his discovery, his invention, revolutionized the carrot industry, and it exploded after
0: that. Now 70% of all carrot sales are baby carrots.
1: Yeah, who knew?
0: Uh, Not me. I, I, I didn't know all of that. I'm a little concerned that baby corn, like you get in like a stir fry, that's not milled, is it?
1: I'm not a baby, I am not think that's actually a small piece of corn. I'm not a baby corn fan. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a different one. Okay. That's a different animal. I sure hope so. <laughs> I can't take this. One thing that I thought was fascinating about this, and I, it made me think, I wonder if this way of thinking could be applied to other fruits and vegetables, because I actually went down this rabbit hole of reading about food waste, and it turns out about 800 million tons of food goes to waste every year, and most of that is fruits and veggies because they aren't attractive enough or perfect a perfect looking specimen so they don't they don't sell well
0: I would I would kind of rather educate the public about eating things that don't look perfect because the the thing that weirds me out are like the chicken nuggets that are shaped like dinosaurs or or the I don't know anything that is pressed into a shape just makes me nervous I don't know why like but, what part of the fish does the stick come from precisely
1: <laughs> it's the best part <laughs> the The finger of the chicken is. Yeah. <laughs> so not
0: identify not that not on mean. the the chicken anatomy chart, please. It's a lot meatier
1: than it looks yeah. in, in the barnyard. So there you go. So that's an example, I think, of of ingenuity and you could say scientific thinking. There was a problem or
0: not examining your <laughs> assumptions about the food you're eating. Whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple other big discoveries in science that actually have happened. In 2016 already, even though this year is young. You're
0: segueing from a baby carrot article <laughs> and you're saying other discoveries in science as if baby carrots have something to do with science right now. It's biology.
1: I okay. told you this was rapid fire. This okay, is the grab bag. Reaching into the grab what bag. What is the
0: next scientific discovery?
1: Can you, do you know your prime numbers?
0: Uh, I got one. I got three. Oh, two.
1: almost forgot two. Don't forget two. The only even prime number. Five, seven. I'm out. We discovered a new one a few weeks ago. (laughs) Thirteen. That's right. We weren't aware of thirteen yet. But it turns out, actually, I believe this was discovered a while back by a computer that was sitting in a room somewhere. But the humans, I guess, didn't monitor these computers very closely. And they found that the computer had computed the largest prime number that was previously undiscovered.
0: Yeah, so it's one of these distributed computing things like the the protein folding or, or whatever it is. In this one, they're looking for a certain type of prime number that can be expressed as two to some power minus one.
1: That's right. And so what this computer had done was it had multiplied 74,207,281 twos together and subtracted one.
0: And you get a really, really big number.
1: Yeah, that's a 22 million digit number that happens to be prime.
0: Very exciting. You'll use that in your next trivia um I thought it was particularly funny that that the uh computer lab in which it was discovered they finally figured out that the computer found this back in September and now they have like retired they've set aside this computer for posterity as if it is is a racehorse being put out to stud the computer doesn't care it can keep working on new problems it's not like it's like earned its rest or something
1: yeah i like the quote from from the scientist from Dr Cooper It's kind of a dumb computer, he said. It doesn't know it's so popular.
0: I agree with him. It doesn't. I don't understand why you would set that computer aside. Just put a sticker on it. People can come see it.
1: That's true. Maybe people will come by and check it out. Maybe
0: it will find the next prime number, which would be an interesting random oddity.
1: That would be. And it's a sad day for the number 2 to the 57,885,161st place minus 1, which only has 17 million digits, which was the next largest boo to that uh, number. number so i thought that was cool something else that was discovered this week dan this is something we talked about way back in the beginning of the podcast you remember uh the pluto flyby
0: yeah we had a a short argument about whether pluto was a planet or not and i learned more about it and i guess it's a dwarf planet
1: yeah well i guess scientists they found some other scientists i've never liked them anyway <laughs> what do they know just trying to ruin everything for everybody uh so, yeah, I guess these scientists, they found some other masses or moons or planets or not planets, objects that were similar to Pluto to the point they decided, well, Pluto is not really a planet. But yeah, it's, it's not
0: unique in, in its orbit. It's and, one of many yeah. of these little bits that are floating out of space. And by little bits, you mean gigantic bits. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead. yeah This
1: is not my field, as you can tell. But these same scientists recently, actually just a couple weeks ago, said that they believed they had identified the elusive planet X.
0: Yeah, now this one is is quite controversial because they can't see it. They just see its effect on the orbits of some other things. And so they have a high confidence that it's there, but until they actually lay their eyes on it, I guess it's, it's still a hypothesis.
1: Yeah, I guess they observed the peculiar clustering of six previously known objects that are out beyond Neptune. And from that, they were somehow able to infer... What they believe to be planet X that they predict to have a mass of 10 times that of Earth. Pretty cool. That's a big one. Goes around once every 15,000 years. It's like we we lose Pluto. Uh, And actually, I should mention the scientist. one of the two scientists who was responsible for this prediction of planet X, was one of the leading figures in uh, scratching Pluto off the planet list.
0: Yeah, Mike Brown. I, I really liked a quote from the article because it is controversial um, what they found. And a lot of people have uh, hypothesized that this planet could be out there, but nobody could find it. And there've been a lot of kind of crackpot theories. But he said, if you say we have evidence for planet X, almost any astronomer will say that again. These guys are clearly crazy. I would too. Why is this different? This is different because this time we're right. (laughs) I think you need to, you need to play that card in your next argument about baby carrots. Like, hey, these are tiny little carrots that grow out of the ground like this. You want to know why? Because this
1: time I'm right. <laughs> These baby corns. <laughs> These taste different. Why? Because this time I'm right. <laughs> These baby corns are totally a different species. This time I'm right. It works. It works for every argument. It's perfect. Well, this guy is the author. He's a scientist at Caltech, and he's the author of the book How I Killed Pluto. And I, saw, I read some reviews. It looks like it's a great book, so we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I might have to check that one out.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he got a lot of um, flack for that because it was kind of a beloved
1: planet. Yeah, I remember when we were talking about Pluto back in the day, Dan, you had some mnemonic that you used as a kid to remember the planet orders. What was that?
0: Yeah, it was second or third grade, um, Mary Venus eats many juicy suckers under Nora's porch. And and I was having trouble, what, you, what do you do without porch?
1: Yeah, first of all, Dan, that sounds a little dirty to me.
0: It wasn't when I was in second grade. We we're not as precocious as children today.
1: But hopefully... Planet X, we can give it a P name and that way all of these mnemonics will have relevance again. Planet X.
0: So I thought that was cool. That is cool. That was quite a rapid fire series of random topics.
1: Yeah. So we got the Super Bowl, we have baby carrots, we got a board game review, prime numbers. What do they all have in common? New planets. And what they all have in common is we talked about them all on the show today. There it is. Good tie-in. But something that's not unique about this show is the etymology section.
0: That is true. Last week's clue, a doctor with this device doesn't need x-ray vision to look into your chest. Did you have a guess?
1: I think I know this one, Dan. All right, lay it on me. I'm going to say stethoscope.
0: You got it. Now, you didn't get confused by the look into?
1: My daughter has a, a doctor set she got for her birthday, and so I am the de facto patient for all of her examinations yeah
0: you've probably gotten hundreds of shots
1: yes lots of shots and she always said this will just hurt for a minute and it doesn't hurt at all because it's a fake shot well she jams it into my arm pretty hard (laughs) uh so
0: stethoscope comes from through french from our favorite greek stethos meaning chest or breast and scope meaning to look into or look at interestingly in the definition the the etymological definition it says that Um, Stethos in the original Greek meant front of the chest and was only rarely used uh, to describe a woman's breast, but in modern Greek, it became the preferred polite term. So
1: did we have a winner this week? We sure did.
0: It was Laurel from UNC, and we had quite a few submissions this week. So excellent
1: job to everybody who figured out the clue. Did you use your random number generator to choose the winner? Math.random. And so Laurel will get an Amazon gift card, which she could use to pick up How I Killed Pluto on Amazon. Or... Codenames.
0: Code Codenames, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, so congrats to Laurel. And I think we have a special clue this week, right, Dan?
0: Yeah, in, in the spirit of kind of the mixed-up episode, I would like to read a clue that was written by one of our listeners who very often gets the puzzle correct. And I finally said, why don't you just write some clues? This, is, this would be great. So this one comes from Megan Bond at Rice. You ready for it? I'm ready. Samples treated with this process love to dissolve though they might rest on the shelf for many moons. I'll read it again. Samples treated with this process love to dissolve, though they might rest on the shelf for many moons. So if you think you know the word, answer. Uh, send me an email, puzzle at hellophd.com, and I will randomly select a winner from all the correct responses and send the lucky puzzler an Amazon gift card. We said Amazon enough times today. I said it a lot.
1: Oh, yeah, and Amazon, that was one of my sample words. That was. Very, very <laughs> subtle. Wow. Subtle. Dan, I hope you had fun with... Uh, all of my seemingly random topics. Thanks for humoring me.
0: It was, and it was good to clear out the list of things that we needed to get onto the show.
1: Yeah, hopefully you found this interesting. We'll do this from time to time, maybe every 30 episodes or so. Hopefully sooner,
0: because these lists keep getting bigger.
1: That's true, and that reminds me too, if you come across something cool that you think would be neat for us to talk about on the show, send it to us, podcast at hellophd.com, or if you have any questions or puzzle ideas you can send those our way as well
0: please send me your puzzles they're fun to write very easy and uh they stump me megan stumped me with several of hers
1: yeah dan you seldom get to play the puzzle game because I you so come up with the
0: puzzles so way more fun to play it
1: so thanks to everyone for listening and we will be back at you again next week namaste